Let's open our Bibles over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I've entitled this today, The Unfolding of God's Marvelous Plan. The Unfolding of God's Marvelous Plan. Our theme as we have gone through the book of Romans is, is the book of Romans, God's Marvelous Plan for Man. Well, today we start unfolding that plan. We have been talking about the man's condition in chapter 1. Chapter 2, chapter 3, about man is lost. It doesn't matter if you're a religious Jew or if you're an ignorant Gentile and you don't know the the Old Testament at all. It doesn't matter that we all stand guilty before God in need of a Savior. Chapter 3, we saw that uh, Savior very clearly introduced in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And the uh, necessity of faith in Christ is the only means of salvation. Chapter four, we see the illustration, of course, of Abraham, the father of us all, meaning those of us who trust Christ the Savior. And then, of course, David was mentioned as well. And then we get into chapter five here. And you notice it starts with that, one of those transition words, therefore, therefore, okay? In other words, in light of everything we've covered. Now, one of the quote-unquote laws of preaching, homiletics, is that, um, you young preachers, I'll tell you about this one, okay? This is a sidebar bonus I'm throwing in today to those who are here. One of them is that you don't refer to the messages you've done in the past if you're doing a series because the people who weren't there don't know what you're talking about, okay? Well, some rules are meant to be broken. And so uh, this is one of those things, just throw that baby out the window and, and by the way, I have a booklet for you. Remind me to give it to you before you leave today. But some rules you just throw out the window. And, and this is one of them. You can't get to a therefore and not talk about what is it there for. All right? So therefore, uh, therefore what? Well, in light of everything I shared with you already in your introduction today about salvation, our great need, mankind's rebellion, our great need, God's provision in Christ, the examples of Abraham and David, we come here to therefore in verse one, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, to have peace with God, we must be justified or declared righteous to have this peace with God. You notice it doesn't say the peace of God. That's for the believer. You have to be a Christian to have the peace of God. You first have to have peace with God. You might say, well, I don't understand that. Isn't everybody at peace with God? The answer to that is an emphatic no, according to the scripture. All right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be justified to have peace with God. And this is only by faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Faith, what is faith? Well, one way of explaining faith is faith is taking God at his word. We have people who write me on a regular basis who are struggling with the assurance of salvation. They say they've trusted Christ as Savior and so on, and and we kind of go round in circles. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I feel for them for whatever reason, okay? And but then I was preparing this week and I said, oh, this is one I have to remember to say. Faith is taking God at his word. Take God at his word. Rest in that. I believe it. I believe it because it's in the Bible, okay? That's where that freedom comes, all right? Now, let me say this, this idea of, of having peace with God. 
there's a false idea going around today and you hear it all the time, okay? And, and it's, it's done by well-meaning churches, well-meaning preachers, well-meaning Christians. But they'll say this. Well, you know, uh, you just need to understand that God loves you and he accepts you just the way you are. He accepts you just the way you are. All right? Well, let me say this. God cannot accept us just the way we are. All right? So let's get that straight. God cannot accept us just the way we are. Now, that does not mean that God does not love us. He loves us, but he doesn't accept us just the way we are. He does love us, and he proved it by what he did for us through sacrificing his son on the cross as the full payment for our sins, dying for our sins. But the Bible says the wrath of God, okay? The wrath of God, the punishment of God, even the anger of God, because sin makes God angry. The wrath of God still abides on every person who has not trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. So I can say to a lost person, yes, friend, God loves you, and he proved it by what he did through sending Jesus. But let me tell you this. He cannot accept you the way you are. He cannot accept you the way you are. Now, I know that's counterculture today, but that is thus saith the Lord. It's what the Bible says, okay? The wrath of God still abides on every unbeliever, even though the payment for sin has been made for all mankind. You must put your faith in Jesus Christ to be saved, to get the benefits of that, to get out from under the wrath of God. Now we see in chapter five, the unfolding of God's marvelous plan of salvation. All right. And when we get to this, something I've never seen until uh, preparing for this message is that I've always wondered, oh, why does it have that strong statement about salvation by grace through faith? And then we talk about this, these other things here. And then it goes back to talking about the salvation by grace through faith. And I thought, oh, you know what? What Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is wanting us to understand before we get back to the issue of because of Adam, all die and so forth, and God offers, and just all, you know, the first man, and, and all that we're going to see at the end of chapter five here. Before we get to that, Paul just gives us a little bit of a glimpse. He just starts unpacking. That's our word today, isn't it? Or unfolding this marvelous plan. And he says, now listen, therefore being justified by grace, we have peace with God, or by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verses two through five, it's like a parenthesis in the thought that uh, is going to continue beginning in verse six. Paul, even before he gives us more detail about our eternal salvation, he looks at the way it works in our everyday lives. And this is a valuable thing to understand, folks. Listen, when we get saved, it's not the end, it's the beginning. We are born again. Yeah, in a sense, there's a, there's a death, but we'll get to that in chapter six. We are born again when we trust Jesus Christ, the Savior. We're born into God's family. There's been a, a new baby born into the family of God. And God has a plan for that life. And, and what he does in verses two through five here, he gives us just a glimpse of how this plan of salvation works out and functions and operates in the life of every Christian. And really, I look through these verses and it's very, very exciting. 
So when we trust Christ as Savior, God begins working in our lives every single day. And you notice the first thing which we've already covered in verse one is this, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. We are no longer at odds with God and we are no longer under his wrath. Now listen carefully as we go through this because when we understand what God has provided and that now we are delivered from that, it makes us more appreciate the grace of God and where we stand as Christians. Okay? You see, a lot of people well-meaning, all they're talking about today is, you know, uh, being a child of God and, and all that. And it's great to be saved by grace and grace and love and all that. And, and I am for every bit of that. But you get a greater appreciation for it when you understand where we were and what God has done. We have peace with God, verse 1. We are no longer at odds with God. We're no longer under his wrath. Hold your place here and look with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. No longer under his wrath. You might say, well, I see lost people and they seem to have peace in their lives. They seem to be going good. I see lost people who are happy. These people say, well, I don't need what you have. Friend, they're blind and they're disillusioned. Okay? They do not understand the slippery slope, the predicament they are facing. If they understood what is ahead for them, once they die, they would immediately trust Jesus Christ the Savior. It is eternal hell, literally, literally, suffering forever, no break, no rest, forever and ever. That's what comes with the wrath of God. It's a terrible thing. Listen, if I was to write the Bible, I probably wouldn't put hell in there. But that's my humanity speaking. It is there. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke more of that than he did of heaven, actually, even though he is the Savior of the world. John 3.36, he that believeth on the Son hath, possesses right now, everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God, notice this, abides right now. That's present tense, abideth. Present tense on him. The wrath of God, it's there, it's abiding. And if a person dies without having trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, immediately they are consumed and they are in hell. That's for every unbeliever. That's what they're facing. Whether they feel it or not, whether they know it or not, this is the truth of it. You're in John 3, look at chapter 5, chapter 5 of John. It says in verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, possesses right now, everlasting life, and look at the promise, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed or has passed from death unto life. When you get saved, it is a one-way door into eternal life, friend. Here I am, let's say I'm a lost person. I haven't trusted Christ. I understand the gospel. I put my faith in Christ and I walk through that door into eternal life. And guess what? There's no handle on this side. Once you're in, you're in. And you will not, God says, I promise you, you will never come into condemnation because you have passed perfect Perfect tense. In other words, it's something accomplished that still has the effects and they'll continue on forever, those effects of that. You've passed from death, that's under wrath, 
unto life in Christ. This is the promise of God. That's why we can say, I know I have eternal life. Why? Because Jesus promised it. His word says it's true, and if it's true, I can believe it. I can believe it. Faith is taking God at his word. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 in verse 2, well, verses 1 and 2 again, therefore being justified by faith, we have number one, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, we have access into the grace of God. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Faith in Jesus Christ gives us access into this grace wherein we stand. Do you see we stand, folks? If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you stand in grace. You live in the perfect sphere of the grace of God. We live within the realm of God's favor. That's what grace is, unmerited favor, okay? And it is because we are in Christ. Get this, get this. You might say, well, I'm still a sinner. Yes, friend, but if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you've been forgiven of all your sin, and you've been, as we're going to see in just a moment, you have been accepted in the beloved one, the Lord Jesus Christ. If this was me, okay, that's uh, five years of slim fast right there. (laughs) If this is me, and I trust Jesus Christ as Savior, I am found in Christ, if my Bible represents Jesus, and here I am. You might say, oh no, that's Jesus. Yes, but I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. And when God the Father looks at me, he sees his son. He sees the righteousness of his son. And I am accepted, not because of anything I do, I am accepted because I am in Jesus Christ. This is a wondrous thing, okay? God treats me like a son. I have his very own, as we have already covered in this series. I have the very righteousness of God. And so that's how God sees me. I'm accepted. I'm in his favor. We are the recipients of God's unmerited favor. When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of himself. That is my standing in Christ. Now, if he sees my righteousness, how in the world am I ever going to go to hell? You can't go to hell once you're going to heaven. If you have eternal life, you have eternal life. Friend, if you can lose your salvation, you don't have eternal life. You don't have the real deal. You've got a counterfeit of some kind. Look with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This is why we can have peace concerning our eternal destiny. Because it is by grace, not by works. It is by what Christ has done, not on what we do, okay? Ephesians 1, 6, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved there. The beloved, that word is masculine singular. It's talking about Jesus Christ himself. You notice it says he hath made us accepted in the beloved one. It's an interesting word, the word accepted there. The root word for that is where we get the word grace. It's not good English, so to speak, but it would make sense to say he hath made us graced or we have been graced because we're in Christ. 
okay? God has dealt with us in grace and he deals with us in grace. Why? Because we have been, we are accepted and beloved again. Oh, you know what? But I keep messing up. I keep failing. I keep falling down. Now, God doesn't want us to mess up, fail, and fall down. But folks, even if we do, if we're saved, we're still accepted in the beloved one. That's a matter of grace. It's not a matter of performance. It's a matter of grace. What God has done for us. Okay? It is not something that we have earned or that we keep by godly living. I am saved forever, period. Why? Because I've trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. He's the only one who is the savior. There is no other. I can't help him out. That would mean I'm part of saving myself and you can't save yourself. It's only what Christ has done. Let's go back to Romans chapter three. So we see, number one, we have peace with God. Number two, we have access into the grace of God. But number three, we see it in verse two, we can rejoice in the hope, and the word hope means the joyful anticipation of living forever with the Lord in heaven, okay? We as believers, folks, we have heaven to look forward to. Regardless of what happens here, we have heaven to look forward to. The result is that we can rejoice in the hope or the anticipation of the glory of God. He will provide for us all that we need for eternity. But listen, not only for eternity, listen, God provides for us all that we need for life, for life. Well, how much does God really love me? Well, let me ask you this. How much does God love his son? Infinitely. Jesus said, I and the father are one. He loves his son infinitely. You know what that means? That means he loves us infinitely. Think about that. Let that sink in. When you have a good day for Christ, when you have a bad day, he loves you the same. You're accepted in Christ. See, folks, you know what this means? Let me give you something really practical here. It means when we mess up, we shouldn't run from God. We ought to run to God. Too many Christians, they mess up. What happens? Then you don't see them. We experience that all the time here at church. Somebody messes up, you don't see them at church for a while. Why are they gone? Well, I don't know why for sure they're gone. Maybe, possibly, they're ashamed. They're discouraged. They're frustrated with themselves. And they figure if they show up, everybody else will be too. No, friend. If you're bleeding, you don't run from the hospital. You run to the hospital. Okay? You might say, well, the situation I'm in, it's an emergency. Yeah, guess what? The church is an emergency room. Come, come. You need help? You messed up? You see you messed up? You need help? Come to the hospital. Come get help. Come, there are people who, because you're accepted in Christ, guess what? They're gonna love you and they're going to help you get through this. You wanna be helped? Now listen, if you don't wanna be helped, Now, you won't be comfortable at church, but if you do want to be helped, this is the place. This is the place. Why? Because it is God's plan. It is God's plan. We can rejoice in the hope of the joyful anticipation of living forever with the Lord in heaven. I don't care what we go through. It's like, you know what? Remind yourself, Christian, this is the worst I'll ever have it. I've got forever to look forward to. With a, with a new body, okay, with no troubles, no trials, no cares, 
no tears, okay? None of the problems that come with this life, for the believer, this is the worst it'll ever be. We've got heaven to look forward to. That ought to cause a joyful anticipation in us. That's what the biblical word hope here is, the word el peace. Joyful anticipation. Not only that, it even gets better. Look at verse three. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Number four, we can glory in tribulation knowing that the Lord is going to use it for our spiritual growth. Get this, get this. Listen, God doesn't say when you get saved, it's gonna be a bed of roses from that point to the end of your life. He doesn't say that. There are problems that take place. We live in a fallen world. We still have sin natures as Christians. We mess up, the world messes up, okay? The world affects us. There's issues that come up in life. There's trials, you may you know, be facing financial problems. You may be facing physical problems. You may be facing, there are all kinds of family problems. There's all kinds of stuff we can face. The good news is this. God is using that to mold us into the people he wants us to be. Verse three, we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation worketh patience, okay? By the way, one of the dumbest things you can ever pray for is patience, don't do that, okay? Now, I'm not saying you can't do that. If you want to do that, you can. If you're one of these uh, no fear people, you know, you see the shirts, no fear. No fear, okay, okay, no fear. That's interesting. So if you face a rattlesnake, you'll have no fear. Cobra, no fear, all right? I don't think that's real smart. Driving through the Appalachian Mountains, where there are no guardrails with your eyes closed? No fear, no fear, no fear. <laughs> Look with me over to uh, James chapter one. I'll tell you what, James chapter one, uh, uh, some of you young people, you can't relate to this, but those of us who are uh, a little bit more seasoned, we can relate to this. Truth of it is, as we get older, things start going wrong. Okay, things start going wrong in your, in your body and uh, you learn to deal with it. I know some Christians who have just recently found out they've got this or that, chronic diseases or diseases of one kind or another or conditions, whatever you want to call it, such as rheumatoid arthritis or one of these kind of things. And, and you know, it can knock you for a loop. You didn't plan on that. You didn't sign up for it. Like, why is this here? Or why am I facing this situation? Or this, this major thing has happened now that I've got to deal with in life. I wouldn't have asked for this. No, we wouldn't have asked for it. But guess what? God is wanting to use that to make us stronger, better Christians. And that's his prerogative to do that. We belong to him. He doesn't do it to make us bitter. He does it to make us better. He does it to make us more effective. James 1, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, okay? Various testings or trials. You might say, what kind of a nut would count it a joy when he faces these kind of things? Well, this is why. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting 
nothing. The Lord is going to use that trial or testing for your spiritual growth. This is how he works. Now listen, folks, there's a difference between a testing and a chastening. And chastening, when I say chastening, I'm talking about God judging his child, okay? Dealing with his child. You might say a spiritual spanking of sorts. Or the law of reaping and sowing. We, do, we start doing stupid things that we shouldn't do, and we start getting the results of that. And we think, oh, I'm going through a trial of life. No, it's self-inflicted. That's self-inflicted. We're not talking about that. We are talking about you're going on, you're living life, you're trying to live a godly life, walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden you get knocked for a loop, something comes into your life, you didn't sign up for that. It's like, Lord, why me? Well, God says, I'll tell you why. I'm gonna use that to make you better, to make you more mature, to make you more effective. It's just like somebody who enlists in the Marines, okay? You're gonna go through a torturous boot camp But when you come out on the other end, if you do, you're going to be much more ready for battle, much better. As much as it hurts, it ends up helping. And that's God's way. Keep that in mind. I know we've got people in our church who are in the midst of trials, difficulties, dealing with things, maybe fears, wrestling with different fears. God's using it, okay? He wants you to trust him more. He's purging us. Let's move on. Number five, as we endure, we gain experience. Do you see it in verse four? And patience, experience. Patience, by the way, the word, uh, we think of patience as just kind of like, you know, okay, I've got an appointment. Uh, They were supposed to see me five minutes ago. Have you ever noticed that at the doctors? They want you there on time, but many times you don't get in until maybe half an hour, an hour later, okay? Might say, no wonder they call me a patient. Let patience have her perfect work. Patience leads to, verse four, experience. As we endure, as we are patient through trials, difficulties, we gain experience. This word experience has the idea of it proves our character. It gives us proven character. It proves out what the Lord has promised as well in his word. Okay? When we go through our trials properly, it produces good character in us, and that ends up making us more effective. We end up having good experience, all right? Many times we can't help people the way God wants us to help people until we go through a trial, difficult time in life, to where we gain that good experience, to where it makes us better, to where we now can be more effective, more effective. So as we endure, we gain experience. Number six, not only that, but as we gain experience, this builds hope or a joyful anticipation in us. In verse four, we see it. It is an anticipation of what the Lord will do in the future, not only in this life, but also in eternity. The fact that the Lord is true to his word causes us to trust him more. And this is exactly what he wants. Folks, what is the Christian life? It's a walk of faith, right? It's a walk of faith. How am I going to learn how to walk by faith if I don't fall down? Okay? 
you look at a little baby who just, you know, they start crawling, then they get on their feet, and then they, oh, look, they're standing, they're standing, and they're going like this, like that, and they go take a step and they fall down. I'm glad they don't say, well, I'll never do this again. You're not going to get very far in life if you have to crawl on your hands and knees through it. No, what happens? They get up, they get their balance, they'll take a couple steps, then they'll take several steps. And you know, every, every parent, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just maybe six months to a year later, it's like, they're running all over the house. I can't keep track of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It's through the falling that we gain valuable experience to know, hey, you know what? This is starting, I'm starting to see some progress in my life. And this beautiful truth here, patience, experience, and experience, hope, okay? Hope, why can we have hope? I can have hope because the Lord, I find out as I go through life and I apply my life and I do what God told me to do and I don't live in rebellion, but I live in submission. Steve talked about that in Sunday school today, living in submission. As I live in submission to the Lord, I see his Word and the promises in his word come true in my own life. And that gets us excited. It gets us joyful. And it gets us to see life with a positive outlook. And that's exactly what he wants. With this, verses one and two being true, we can properly face life and have the right outlook about the issues of life. We can have the right perspective knowing that what we're going through is going to only be temporary. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Worthy to be compared. You know what's, what's there in that? It's this, okay? I'm going through a trial and God, he wants me to remember. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring it to our remembrance. By the way, Romans 8.18 is a good verse to memorize, Okay? When you go through a trial, remember this. We've got heaven to look forward to, and you can bank on that. It's coming. What I'm going through is temporary. I know, and listen, folks, my heart goes out to people who live in pain and misery for years and years and years, and they are believers, okay? And it's difficult. Life every day is difficult for them. Oh, that we can just remember Listen, it's going to get better. This is temporary. We have heaven up ahead. And by the way, this creates a true positive mental attitude. It's not some pie in the sky thing that we pretend. It is a fact based on scriptures. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. But we are, in God's eyes, we are already glorified in his mind, according to Romans chapter 8. For whom he justified them, he also glorified. Glorified. Are you justified? Yeah, guess what? You're also glorified. I don't feel very glorified. It's coming. As God sees eternity, it's a done deal. That's why you can't be lost once you're saved. Romans 5, verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When our hope is in the Lord, we will never be ashamed. He will always pull through for us. 
Why is that? We will never be ashamed, folks, because he proves his word to be true. He proves his word to be true. Nobody who believes what God says and lives according to the word of God will ever regret it. Never. Those who regret it are those who go off into rebellion, okay? Who have their areas of life that they will not, as believers, submit to the Lord and let him have his way. Those are the people who end up living lives of regret. But those who are true to the Lord and true to his word find out that he is true to his word. And the Holy Spirit works in us to help us know and to realize through experience the love of God. And that sustains us through the trials we face, okay? It does not make us ashamed or disappoint because God is always true and his promises are trustworthy. I was reminded of, believe it or not, a verse in the book of Revelation about this. I want you to hold your place and look with me to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. The picture in Revelation 19, the sky has opened up. This is at the second coming at the end of the tribulation period. The sky is opened up and Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior and also our King is coming. And guess what? Those of us who are of the church, who have put our faith in Christ, because we were raptured seven years before that, we're coming back with him at this time. And look at this language here in verse 11. Revelation 19, 11, and I saw heaven opened. Wow. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Okay, and what is his name? His name is the word of God. The word of God. Jesus is the living word. This book we have is the written word. Okay, and he is what? Faithful and true. He's faithful to whatever he says he will do. He's faithful. And we can completely believe what he says in his word because he's God and God can't lie. And so I can put my full confidence, every issue of life, I can cast it upon the Lord and trust him with every situation and look to him and rest in him by faith that everything he told me is going to come about just the way he said. And guess what? He will never, ever, ever fail. Now, I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Literally shed abroad, poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gives us the ever-present reality that God loves us and that we are his. And with these seven truths being true, then he reminds us again of where we started. Verse six, for when we were yet without strength, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. A righteous man would be a fair and decent man. A good one would be one who's known for his acts of kindness, okay? So there are good people, there are uh, or there are, there are righteous people, there are good people, and yeah, maybe somebody would die for somebody like that, but guess what? 
Verse 8, God commended his love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, neither good nor righteous, sinners. But God put his love on display. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Notice it was when we were without strength and in sin. This is why you don't tell a lost person, you, need to, you want to go to heaven, you need to repent of all your sin. You need to turn from all your sin. You need to reform your life if you want God to save you. No, friend, we come. Isn't it amazing? The same people who, who say that sing just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, I come. Yes, that's the terms of salvation, just as I am. I'm coming as a broken, lost, helpless sinner to Jesus Christ, trusting in him to be my savior. And when you do, he saves you, just like he said he would. How do I know that he will? Because he's faithful and true. He is the word of God. That's why. Verse nine, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Listen, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, there's not a more wonderful being, person, whatever, in all the world than him. He loves you and he wants you to be his. And if you trust him as savior, you're not only saved by grace, you live in grace. And he's going to do incredible things in your life. Look at these verses over here. For by grace are you saved, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, here we are. We are sinners. Here's our sin. Here we are, our sin. God does love us. He hates our sin. Okay? To get to heaven, you have to be without sin. Even though God loves us, he can't let us into heaven with our sin. If we die in this condition, the wrath of God abides on us. We'd be lost forever in hell. But because there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, God himself took on flesh. Jesus Christ, the sinless one, went to the cross, took our sin upon himself, and he made the payment so that we don't have to. He did it for us died, was buried, and rose from the grave. He says, if you'll put your faith in him, he will save you by his grace. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. If you haven't trusted Christ, would you do that today? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.